So this is a podcast PSA. What you are about to listen to is going to blow your mind. Okay, I don't want to do that just in case it doesn't. But it blew my mind. Uh, Sasha was amazing. She came at me with so much intense information with regards to pricing, billing, QuickBooks, all of the things. So this is my PSA, my PPSA podcast. What does PSA stand for? Podcast public service announcement for you all. I think that this one is either a listen to twice kind of episode or a have a pen and paper, get ready to pause, rewind and take notes kind of episode. And it's real good. I obviously did the interview. So I was, a lot of information came at me then. I edited the interview and I think I'm gonna have to sit down and listen to it. And I'm also hiring her to help me with my QuickBooks and set it up the way she has discussed in this episode. So if you're not QuickBooks, it doesn't matter. All of this applies, whether you're FreshBooks, probably whether you are that other really cool one that I can't think of right now, that Wave, Wave, that one, whatever, doesn't really matter at all applies. It's real good. Enjoy. All right, guys, I'm here today with Sasha Thin from ID8 Design Studio. How's it going? Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So you had DM'd me a little while ago and you were like, I'd love to be a guest. And I said, that sounds great. Let me know what you think you want to talk about. And then you reached back out to me and you said you'd love to talk about some pricing stuff, which I'm super keen on. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's one of the topics that seems to come up pretty often amongst all the uh, Facebook groups and websites. And I just thought, you know, let's just jump into it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? But okay, so obviously, before we chatted, I went to check out your website. And guys, she has got a beautiful portfolio. Her website's beautiful. Uh, your portfolio is beautiful. I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, holy crap. When I went, <laughs> I was like, really, really good stuff. So why don't we start by you Thank telling you. your backstory? Like, you know, what brought you into interior design? Like, did you always do, love it growing up? Like, tell me your whole story, how you got here. Well, um, I just have a couple of notes that I'm going to refer to so I can stay on track. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for your kind comments about the website. You know, it's a work in progress as everybody Mm -hmm. is probably doing themselves. Um, And uh, I've sort of been a designer, I would say, for the last 15 years. And I've had my own studio for seven years. Um, I'm originally from India, as you might be able to tell from my accent. Um, But I have worked um, several places... um, around the world and um, finally landed in Boston. So this has been exciting. Um, I've worked for a couple of different firms here in Boston and abroad and then uh, decided to launch ID8 in 2012. And was that a scary decision for you? Well, um, I come from, um, I'm a third generation architect, interior designer. Um, My mom and uh, grandmother are both actually architects and interior designers and uh, so for me it was something that I just knew would happen eventually Um, you know I'd seen it happen with them they had their own studios while I was growing up that's where I did my homework that's where I hung out after school I went with them on site visits and it was just some of something that sort of happened very organically Um, it was just a matter of timing and that's really incredible I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who has a story like that 
That's so cool. So, okay. What can you, do you have any thing that you might say, like one big thing that you learned having seen your own, your, your mother and your family be in the business? Like, was there anything that you kind of just by default learned that you took with you? Well, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you learn a lot while when you're watching two women like them mm-hmm. at it every day, uh, you learn a lot about, about clients, you learn a lot about pricing, although it's very different from how we do it here. You learn a lot about self-confidence, mm. um, in a, in a very male dominated industry, especially in India as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Not very different from here. Um, so you mean like the architect side, obviously, cause I feel like. Yeah, designers. Oh, because I feel yeah. the opposite on the designer side. But okay, okay. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. So it's been. It was. It was an interesting time for me. They also had multiple employees. Um, you know, running a studio and a family. I'm one of four. So mm. where it was uh, hand, hands full for my mom for many many years. Uh, my grandmother as well. Um, you know, she had three kids. So I've I've sort of. Um, it was an interesting experience, and uh, I never thought that I couldn't do it, I guess, based on that, because I just saw them do it. And yeah. it was, they did it. They loved it. They were passionate about their work. Um, fearless, I would say. And uh, yeah, that was just the next step for me, I guess. Um, it was just, a, like I said, a matter of time. And uh, we've been traveling, my husband and I, for a couple of years. And once we decided that Boston was going to be our home, it just sort of eventually happened. Yeah. So did your, okay, upon deciding to start your own business, did your, did your mom give you any kind of words of advice that, that you hold dear now or? Well, um, I think she said, don't be, don't do architecture. (laughs) When I initially started thinking about it, uh, she's like, you know exactly what it entails. So just, uh, you know, keep your eyes open when you get into it. But, you know, as, as, as designers are, we love what we do. So yeah. there wasn't another choice really in a different career option. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, jumped in head first, but um, she tried to remind me about family a lot because I That's think great. we get caught up in um, what we do. We're trying uh-huh. to please our clients. We're trying to get through crazy deadlines. Um, often, you know, sleepless nights, stressed out. And yeah. she was like, you know, you're, you're having, you have kids try to balance, try the, you know, the work-life balance, the mysterious work-life balance aspect. (laughs) So, yeah. I wonder if she said that to you too, because like, you know, maybe she thinks like, oh, you know, maybe my balance wasn't so great back in the day. And she's like, do, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Do you think it was that or no? Or was she just really good at it? I mean, I think she was juggling a, a shitload. I mean, you know, I mean, my father was an airline pilot, so he wasn't even around. That's so- uh, yeah, so she was like doing it all, driving us everywhere, getting us to activities, getting us to school and back and four of us. So, you know, it's not easy. I only have two kids and I decided to launch my studio. I think when I was eight months pregnant with my second one, mm-hmm. um, I was that's, a, that's, that's like intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's intense. And I think it was just like a, a moment in my life where I said, you know, it's now or never. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about pregnancy or um, that period in your pregnancy maybe where you're like I can freaking do anything I can you know what it's so weird that you say that so this morning I met up with like I think another eight designers we try to like every 
month and a half or two meet up for what like a mastermind and I was talking there's a lot of mothers in the in the group and right. somebody said something about the second pregnancy and having done this made the decision and somebody had actually said like there's something about the second second pregnancy yeah yeah because you I mean I think I had worked for several firms and and they didn't like the idea of um, you know, me leaving on time forget about leaving early leaving on time was an issue oh my god for daycare so pickups you funny. know yeah. yeah and i was like this is ridiculous i mean i should be able to have a career and be a mom and of course everybody warns you of that moment when you have to give up one or the other mm-hmm. so i said to myself i i am not ready to be a stay at home mom i'm not ready to give this up yet i'm going to give this a shot if this is the only way to do it let's try I love it. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about pricing then. So you've been doing this for seven years. Out of curiosity, could you think about how many times you've changed your pricing model over the seven years? Oh my God, every six months. <laughs> it's so funny because I was going to say, I've been in this for like three years and I know for sure it's probably been at least 10. Yeah. What are you doing? Let's talk. Well, how do you want to start? Do you think it's better to tell us like, the way you're doing it now and some of the, and why it's working or like, where do you think is the best place to start? Yeah. So I can, um, let me, I mean, I just want to start off with saying that starting a business is the hardest thing to do. Um, you know, it's been seven years and it's been a lot of learning. I mean, some days were hard and I think the, the exciting parts are when you get a project and, or you complete a project and everyone's happy and, you know, you walk away or you get a photograph and you're completely satisfied with that moment. Um, but I think money, I find, is one of the hardest aspects of what I do. I think partly because I love what I do and it's hard to charge people for that. Yeah, you right? feel guilt almost, right? You, yeah, you feel guilt. You're like, oh my God, I'm an artist. Um, I just want to help them. How can I charge them for this? But you know, the way that I look at it, finally, after years of feeling that way, is people will only value what you give them if you charge them for it. We live in that kind of a world today where if you charge money, it's valuable. If it's free, it's dispensable. Yeah. So to earn the respect and the value of your work and of your vision, I think you have to charge what you need to charge. That is so bang on. I was totally thinking the same thing about, especially I feel like with that price tag, respect is totally given and they trust you more. Yeah. They trust you because they know that there's something that is making you more responsible. I think it makes us also more responsible with somebody's money because you're talking about, you know, people's savings. Yeah. Sometimes it's people who've been saving up for years to do a renovation and they want to feel like you're a responsible adult. And when you charge money for something, there's a mutual respect Mm -hmm. that you earn. So I think that's what I wanted to start from is that, I think the guilt is um, normal. I think yeah. we all feel it because this is something that we're passionate about. But at the same time, I think it's crucial to your pricing structure to value yourself, your worth uh, in the marketplace, not your self-worth, but just in the marketplace in terms of your services and also to get the mutual respect from your clients. So I think Love just starting it. from there, I would say, um, yeah, it's changed my structure, you know, fee structure several times. Um, but the way that I look at it and I, and I do have some flexibility when I'm charging clients is either I do it hourly or I do it fixed fee. Okay. Um, the things that I would say 
make me go one way or the other is the scope of work. Okay. So if the scope is set in stone, we know exactly what we're getting into. We know the outcome. Um, and this is most often with repeat clients that I find that yeah. I've worked with them before. I don't see there's going to be too many surprises in the way that they work or we work together. Um, they understand how I do things and I understand the expectations so I can give them a fixed fee. Mm-hmm. And I find when you do that, you do have a potential to make money in a fixed fee because mm-hmm. you know what it's going to cost you. And then of course the rest is a profit that you can take home. Yeah. So a fixed fee is great if you know your scope of work and I would encourage more and more designers to do that. Um, the can client- you explain how, okay, so let's say you're working with a client and you've decided, to, actually, can we take one quick step back? Do you do consultations? And if so, what do you charge? Well, uh, you mean the first meeting? Uh, yes. Yes, yes. I, all, I do a, a phone call to qualify the clients. Yep. Um, and then I do set up a meeting in-house. Um, and I do not charge for that. Okay. Yes. Um, that was a decision I made years ago because um, I think that the first meeting has to be about getting to know each other, mm-hmm. me getting to know them, them getting to know me. And what I find um, most powerful or empowering, I would say, is to be able to walk away from that without any money being exchanged. Mm-hmm. And so, it does make it easy to say no if you don't feel that connection, right? Exactly. And I think that's exactly why I, I want to be in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to be having that discussion with somebody who I don't want to work with. Because it's hard to start to talk to somebody about, oh, this is what the, the consultation fee is going to be. Uh, but I'm sorry, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. No. I just had it happen, but I did yeah. work my way through it. But okay, so after the consultation, then you've identified the scope. So let's pretend it's a flat fee situation. Right. Um, you would then, how do you, um, how does that execute? Do you collect it 100% upfront? What's the payment terms? And Right, so if you have a fixed fee, um, the way to do it is to, break it up into three to four payment schedules. Um, They are always assigned to a deliverable. And the way that I have my proposals laid out is a schematic design fee, um, a design development, uh, construction drawings, and then construction administration. That is the structure of my proposals. It's very much like a lot of architecture firms. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I do of late actually is that I've begun to have a payment schedule attached to that deliverable. So, okay, so you start the project, you collect a certain percentage up yes, front? Yes, okay. I collect a retainer up front, which is usually what amounts to the final payment or the fin- final phase of the project. So gotcha. for Ooh, example, if you're doing construction administration, which is the project management in the end, uh-huh. um, what you would imagine the final two invoices to be approximately is what I collect up front. Mm-hmm. This, this I do for two reasons. One is um, I need a retainer from all my clients and a signed contract to even put pen to paper. Yeah. I do not begin a project without that. Um, the, the second thing is that you want to be covered for any time that you put into a project when you begin, if they decide to change their mind. Say they get into a project and then life happens and they want to put it on pause. You've invested 15 hours, 20 hours, whatever that might be, you want to be covered for that time. You okay, don't want so to go back to them and say, totally. hey, now pay me for that. No, 
you've got enough in your bank account to cover you for that first invoice. Two, okay, I have a question. You know how you said you break it up? You, did you say it was four different fees, basically, yes. based on yeah. four different phases? Okay. Right. So can I ask this question then? So phase one, we're going to yes. just say phase one. Does that work for you? Yeah. Phase one compared to phase four. Correct. Are they approximately typically the same amount of hours or which one would be more hours? Well, I break it up equally. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah. that makes sense. Cause it's yeah. funny because for me, like I, I do this a little bit the same way now too. Um, my final phase, there are different types of phases. So that's a big thing, but my final phase is the smallest amount of time. Well, that's not true. The middle phase purchasing is the smallest amount of time right mostly decorating and then my last phase is like the second most amount of hours and my first one's the heaviest so I was my head's going well if they abort mission that last payment doesn't work for me but I get it right so that's something for people to keep in mind of though like if your phases are not created equal then just make sure that you can get to the end of your first phase and get covered right Right. cool yeah yeah. So the second reason, like I was saying, for c- collecting the retainer is that I like that the client doesn't owe me any money at the end of the project. I do like that too. Right? Like they've just paid a million bills. They've just played the contractor. They just bought a shitload of furniture. Yeah. And when you go with a $0 invoice, they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, I so love you. I love that. Yeah. That, so yeah, that really works. Yeah. That works because I do get actually notes from clients saying, this is amazing. You know, they had completely forgotten about the retainer at some point. And they're like, oh my God, that's right. You have a retainer. We don't owe you anything. Really? It's like when you're renting and you're like, oh my God, I already paid last month's rent. Right. I got a month free. Well, right. not really, but yeah. <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah. So it leaves a good taste in your mouth. Absolutely. I, my philosophy now is definitely <laughs> ask for as much of the money while the warm fuzzies are still happening. Like, and, and if anything the goal should be never to have to ask for more money than you've estimated. If I can, like to me, even if the client has to, in my opinion, actually, um, even if the client has to be like sticker shock at the beginning, they then mentally accept it. And then if you could just try to never ask for aside from like in phases is fine, but never ask for more than was ever expected. As long as it stays within what you originally estimated, it would be great. But flat fees is different, obviously, but right. um, no, I mean, but you're right. I mean, I was going to say that when we do it hourly, we definitely have an estimate. Yes. Because, I mean, it's a range. It might be a range, which ranges in 10%. Yeah. But there's definitely a range because I have done projects in the past on an hourly basis. And then you start billing and they're like, oh my God, what's this? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. What did you think this project was going to cost? You know? Yeah. I mean, I know, you're spending 500000 on this in. Yeah. On this renovation, yes, my, my fees are going to be a minimum of $25,000. Sure. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So what's the billing strategy for hourly then? So the billing strategy for hourly is I have a principal rate and I have a, an assistant rate. Um, and I bill for everything um, based on that. I mean, existing conditions, same thing. Maybe provide an estimate of hours based on the scope. Um, same thing with the retainer. Nothing changes. Okay, so let's oh. say the hours was 50. Like, can we use that as a, or whatever, sure. 100. Let's say 100 hours. Sure. Okay, so you, no, you said it's a range, so we'll call it, you said 90 to 100 hours. Correct. What do you collect as the retainer? So if you have 90 to 100 hours, I would collect at least 25 hours in retainer. Okay. 
Right. So let's call it 25%-ish. Okay. So, and again, you're holding that as the final payment. Correct. And then do you bill monthly or biweekly? How do you send out your hours? Monthly. Yeah. Or or based on the deliverable, depending on what goes faster. Okay. Right? So if you've completed an entire phase of design before the month is out, send your bill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like this. So let's talk, actually, that answers one of my questions about employees. So do you have any other employees aside from an assistant? Well, I had about four this year, but I'm down to one at the moment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to answer this, <laughs> um, so you bill her out, what do you bill? What, what's your hourly rate? So my hourly rate at the moment is $180 an hour. Go and girl. her rate is $90 an hour. Okay. And what do you pay her? So I pay on average, I would say when everything, she's a salaried employee. So I pay everything. um, I pay her about $55,000 a year. So can can you quantify that? Just because what I'm trying to identify here is... I think that's $25 an hour, I would say. That's great. Okay. That's perfection. So, okay. Here's the logistical question. How do you and her both track your hours in order for you to identify her time versus your time and all that? Right. So I'm anal about metrics. I'm sorry, you're I am completely else? anal about metrics. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep track of every project, all the hours. Um, we use QuickBooks. Okay. And there's a time tracking. time in QuickBooks? That's correct. Oh, I don't think I realize how much QuickBooks can do. Yes. So QuickBooks is the best way to track time because then you can set up your invoicing in QuickBooks. I mean, it's just an easy way of using the, the software. Um, as many employees as you have, or even freelancers or consultants can be logged into QuickBooks. You have your projects set up, the different phases of the project set up, and you just log your time under each phase. Mm-hmm. I like this. Okay. Um, and is the employee, okay, this is again, stupid question and whatever. Uh, so when I actually keep track of my time, I use something called toggle. So I start doing a task, I hit start. And then, and then when I'm done, I hit stop. Is your employee doing that in QuickBooks or are they no. just keeping track and then they write it down and then they input like 10 hours right. Right. and you always round it to the nearest quarter or nearest quarter. Okay. Yeah. And then you apply that to a client somehow, like how right. does that work in QuickBooks? So in QuickBooks, what you can do is um, you can, it just shows you all the hours for that client when you're creating an invoice and you just drag it and drop it onto the invoice and change the description as you need. I love it. So it's like you can almost tag your your hours by client that you have like input into your system. Yeah. Well, shnikes, yeah. I need to look into that. Yeah, you can you can set up your client, you can set up the phases and you can just drag and drop. And you can even put the rate in for the employee and for yourself. So it calculates what the final is going to be, the total. And I assume QuickBooks knows what you're billing or you're paying your employee so it helps with profit uh, reports? Yes. Okay. Well, this has been a very eye-opening conversation. Okay. I am definitely looking into that. Yeah. Like all the things you're saying, I very much use QuickBooks, but I think I use it in such a minimal, simple way that I'm not maximizing what it has to offer. Maybe I might call them and actually ask for like a demo. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) I think QuickBooks is a fantastic software because um, it can do a lot for your business. 
it can ah. give you data. So the way that I was going to talk about also how you calculate your fees. Yes, proposal. Please. So the way that I do it is I base it on three different ways. Um, one is historical data. Yeah. And I, and I realized that not everybody has historical data. Um, but if you, if you want to talk about next year, start today. Right? Yeah. Track everything, track what you estimated, track what your final was, okay, on a similar project. And then next year when you're writing a proposal, it's like, oh, what did I bill on that one? Yeah, I billed about, you know, maybe 120 hours. Okay, could I have billed 150 hours? Like, could I uh, have done it for 90 hours? You get, you get, you get so much information from yes. these softwares that you can, um, you're just armed with the right information. So metrics is one of them. Two is um, the scope of work right? Everything huh. revolves around the scope of work. And there's a traditional way of doing it, which is an Excel sheet. List out your scope, attach the number of hours that you think it might take, in, include revisions and meeting times and driving time. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about driving time? Okay. Sure. I'm going to let you finish and we'll circle back. Sure. So do not forget those things. Um, and also add in a little bit of administration time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing to add in is photography, mm -hmm. right? So when you're coming up with your fee, you should have all this included. So an Excel sheet is great, which you can save again to look back at a year from now and say, oh yeah, that's right. So the way that I have it is I have an estimated column and then I have an actuals column. So I take all the data from QuickBooks and I plug it back into that. And I say, okay, for the first phase, I had estimated 25 hours. How did I do? Did I do it in 25 hours or did it actually take us 35 hours in the end? Oh, right. I like what you're saying so much right now. Yeah. I mean, it's I am so glad you reached out to me. <laughs> um, no, I like, this is amazing. Um, so you don't get to like, I have, so you basically, I assume you have like a spreadsheet template that is like you're recurring and you keep updating it as accordingly, right. but then that's just like input numbers then use. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay. I like what you've said. So my takeaway, and can you tell me if this is right or wrong and what you do would be like, cause I do have a spreadsheet, but I haven't been doing it quite like what you're saying. And I like what you're saying. Basically like all of the tasks that I have to do in phase one, all then get input into QuickBooks when I do my hours as phase one. I don't say like the tasks, you just say phase one. Correct. Whatever you call it, right? Correct. And then you're you're comparing the hours estimated in phase one, not by task, because that would get out of control. I tried right. to do that for right. a period of time. Right. Okay. And then you you do that each time. And you're not too worried about like the breakdown of the hours of where the tasks are. But okay, yeah. I really, really like this. Um okay. I love this. I'm going to be changing some things in QuickBooks. Okay. I'm going to let you keep going. So that was number two, scope of work. Right. You want to get that information over time. Keep updating. I think the big thing here too is a lot of people like to say, I don't like to keep track of time, but I think people who, if you're listening to this right now and you say, I hate keeping track of time, I feel like you're saying, I hate making enough money for what I'm doing and I'm not ready to have my eyes open to that. And that's bad bad call. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just part of running a business. Exactly. I mean, I mean, this is the key part of running a business because there's many factors for why you need to keep track of your time. One is profit. Two is when do you want to hire people? When do you mm -hmm. decide that you need to hire? Mm -hmm. Right. So there, there these, these metrics. Well, can you elaborate on that? Like, can you, 
Like when you, when you figure out you're doing so many hours a week that you, can you tell me what you mean by that based on the hours? I mean, I think it's based on exactly like if you're, if you're doing a 60 hour week and if you look at your, what you're doing in those 60 hours and you realize 20 of those 60 hours was marketing or 20 of those 60 hours was uh, related to some sort of uh, studio um, cleanup or, uh, you know, library cleanup or uh, running to the design center to pick up samples or um, menial tasks. So things that you don't need to be doing for your hourly rate. And you think to yourself, okay, I did that for three weeks in a row. I think I'm ready to get an assistant. That's, that's very valuable. Now, how would that wouldn't be input necessarily into QuickBooks? Would it like marketing? Like how do you just quantify? You can create as many categories as you want. I have a category for marketing. I have a category for new prospect client calls, how much time I spend a week on that. I have a client for social media and how much time I spend updating my website. I have a category for bookkeeping and QuickBooks stuff and all the project categories. So this is the time I spend on research. This is the time I spend going to this conference. This is the time I spent on phase one, two, and three of this project. I see. So it's not necessarily being attached to an invoice, but it's being added to your reports. Yeah, because it's your overhead. Oh, you're so smart. This is all your overhead. <laughs> I mean, this She's is... like, you're an idiot. What? No, 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 been doing no. This? no, this is amazing. This is, this is interesting. I've learned this only the hard way. Seven mm-hmm. years of like trying to figure out how can I do this better next year? Where am I spending the time? Should I hire someone? Should I not hire somebody? That's why the data, the metrics. I know people hate numbers. I know people mm-hmm. are creative in this field, but mm-hmm. you got to do it. Okay, I have a, a question. Yeah. Um Early on, were you always really good and diligent about tracking time for everything you did? Well, no. I mean, I so, hate yeah. it. Any, I hate it. But yeah, it any strategies you can share for like being better and accounting for it and making yeah. sure you do it? So there's two, three things that have worked for me. One is just a, a simple diary that you keep on your desk if that's where you spend the most amount of your time working. Two is I have a phone app called the Time Tracker that I just put, plug in the client and I plug in, you know, when you're sitting on the couch and you're on Instagram trying to find a product for a specific client, that's billable time. I love it. It may not be at the, at the desktop, but that's billable time doing project research. Mm-hmm. So I plug that into this app. It's on my phone. I'm doing everything on my phone these days. So that's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the QuickBooks time tracker is something you can have open as well while you're working all day. And you can just plug in exactly... Um, what you're doing. The, thir- the other thing I do is my calendar. So I log all my meetings on my calendar. I block out, like I do time blocking on my calendar. And then I know, okay, this is what I did on so-and-so day. Mm, so like if a day goes by where you're like, oh shoot, would you say you kind of check yourself at the end of the day and go, okay, let's just make sure I've tracked my day to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Imagine lawyers, right? If they didn't yeah. track their time, what would happen? Yeah, they they wouldn't have money. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's go back. So the, you said number one, historical data. Number two, scope of work. Number three was? So number three is um, percentage of construction cost. Mm-hmm. That has worked for me. So I actually use all these three to four methods in coming up with my fee. So I do a okay. quick test. So I give, I you know, I first figure out scope of work. This is how many hours it's going to take me. I look back at a similar project and I'm like, okay, you know, it cost me 
200 hours to do that project. So this is, you're in a similar sort of scope. Um, construction costs. So that's an interesting one because it depends on where you are located. And of course, the scope of work, like is your, you know, that can range from 10 to 30% of construction, depending on what you're doing for that client. So say that your budget for a kitchen renovation is Mm $150,000 just for discussion's sake. Yeah, I right. want that kitchen, but yeah. Okay. Right, right. So, yeah, don't we all? Um, so say, say that it's like a $150,000 kitchen project and you're like, okay, what should I charge on this? Um, I would say, you know, work backwards and figure out, are you at 20%? Are you at 15%? If it's a $400,000 kitchen, really, really nice kitchen. Yeah, I'm into right? that one too. Right? Lisa Vanderpump's kitchen, probably. Right. You know, maybe know who that is. But <laughs> well, yeah, maybe a Canadian. <laughs> no, you know what? She's a uh, Vanderpump rules. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's reality <laughs> TV, terrible crap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, as the as the construction costs go up, the percentages go down. Yes. Right. Again, data driven. So I yeah. actually collect that data. I ask my contractors, "What did you bill out at the end of the project?" Mm-hmm. And I ask my clients, what did this cost you? And then I know, where did my fee land? Mm-hmm. Right? So, very interesting. And what, now, at the end of the day, that's how you're determining potential hours in order to decide whether you do flat fee and or hourly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which one do you find that you use most? Or is it really just on a case by case and it's evenly? Yeah, it's, it's pretty averaged out, I think. Um, depends on the kind of project. Commercial jobs, I do flat fee most often. Residential, I find myself doing hourly because a lot of the people are new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are really poor decision makers. You couldn't be going round and round and round trying to figure out a rug oh 20 hours later, you know. It's so... so- Nice to hear people say that because sometimes when that happens to me, I'm like, what have I done? We are so off the rails right now, but it's always music to my ears to hear that it happens to everybody. Trust me, I've seen it all. (laughs) And I think it's all important. Um, What happens, out of curiosity, have you ever had a flat fee situation? I guess you just would never do a flat fee with a new client. That's what you said, right? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. And um, at this point, basically... Let's say you're doing a project that's very similar in scope to what you're used to doing. Like they're very, it's a very reminiscent of anything else. Would you ever just go like, I know enough now because you seem very driven by numbers to say pretty quickly to a client, like one room is typically X to Y amount of hours and then kind of go forward with that as your, but do hourly based on that. Or would you always take it to the spreadsheet based on the project to kind of identify? No, I do. I mean, when you go in for your consultation, that's what they're waiting to know, right? They're yeah. like, okay, here's the scope. What do you think it's going to cost? I try not to give them that information at the meeting. Unless they to... push it hard? Yeah, unless unless okay. it's like crucial to that conversation. Okay. Because there's a couple of things that you want to be absolutely sure of before you give them that information. Because as much as you tell them, this is an approximation, they hold you to it each and every time. So, yeah, yep. it's so, so true. Yeah, it's so true. And, um, and that's the thing, right? Like at the end of the day, I, I have definitely learned that I need to just answer the questions that have been asked of me and nothing more. Right. Um, and, and, you know, when client asks for how much something is, if you say, 
well, you know, I need to know more about the project I, after the consultation. But if they just start pushing, obviously, you know, you want to give them something. Otherwise, you just look like a, you know, like you're holding back information or something, right? Yeah, you want to be totally transparent, I think. And that's my that's my goal is to be very, very transparent with clients at all times. And I think I say to them, it's a range. You know, there's, like I said, there's a $100,000 $100, kitchen. If you have certain things you really, really want, it could be a $200,000 kitchen without even blinking an eye. Mm-hmm. Like if you want the top of the line marble, or if you want uh, custom cabinetry, or if you want Viking appliances and, you know, the works. Yeah. You're Absolutely. Pushing, you're pushing I, the other end. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's circle back then. You were talking about driving. How do you, you said incorporate driving estimates into your, you know, whatever you're estimating in your spreadsheet. So do you just bill your hourly rate anytime you're in the car based on 15 yes. minute increments? Yes. And I assume that's in your contract. Yes. And clients are totes cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. And do you like hope that they read it or do you t- walk your clients through their contract verbally? I do walk them through it, but that's not something I usually bring up. Um, I walk them through the process more and what to expect in the different phases. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not take projects unless I'm hired for the construction administration at the end. That is a project management component. I'm so sorry. Say that whole thing again. That yeah. Last. So, so I'm not, I usually don't take on projects unless I am hired for all the phases until Got completion. It. You're full service. It's like, yes. you're not, Yes. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, so when you're billing out for your time, right? Right. Let's say you're in phase one. Right. Maybe phase, whatever. Phase one. Do you say phase one and then identify how many hours of that might have been driving? Or do you just say phase one, you put anything that's in the hourly rate of phase one into that line item without identifying what was driving? And Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. No, I don't break it out. I just say meeting. Like uh, in the description of all, say, say your first invoice is 25 hours, right? Okay. And you've done research, you've met the client twice, you have gone to a store, you have put your PowerPoint presentation together, you have uh, ordered samples. So you're, you're going to describe all the tasks that you've done. Okay. Uh, I don't put in driving. It's, it's, okay. it's assumed that meeting, client meeting includes me driving over there. Got it. You don't so want to call attention to things that don't matter. Got it. Right. And for yourself too, you're not necessarily tracking that time on its own just to identify how much driving you're doing. Or no. Do you do? No. No, okay. no, no, no. And admin, same question for admin. No, not really. But basically admin is anything that hasn't directly to do with design work. Correct. Okay. Right. Purchasing is purchasing admin to you, or is that part of design? No, purchasing is a whole other category. Oh, talk to me. What's that yeah. look like? So, purchasing, um, we only begin billing towards the purchasing category when you have approval from the client. Mm-hmm. So, the way that I look at it is that until we have the presentation, we've shown them what we're thinking, and um, that's all design time. Mm-hmm. As soon as they say, okay, approved, let's begin the purchasing process. I actually divide that into two categories for okay. trade and retail. This is amazing. This is and, like right into my next question. Yeah. Okay. So trade, retail, and actually installation. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. So, so there's three categories. Tell me yeah. all the things. So how does it specifically work then? Right. And it's also being categorized into a phase or no? Uh, yes. So it's all part of CA, which is, uh, well, no, it's part of design development. Okay. Which is, yeah, which is a, uh, the way that I structure it. But it doesn't sure. matter. I mean, purchasing is its own beast. Perfect. So. Okay. So tell me what the categories mean. So what do you do for purchasing? How do you bill for purchasing trade items versus retail versus the last item that I can't remember you said? Right. Installation. Got it. Yes. Right. So the way that I do purchasing is, um, I'm still trying to hone in on the best way to do this. So I've done a couple of projects last year where I charged the client retail pricing, like mm-hmm. IMAP. Yep. Right? Um, Which is um, lowest minimum advertised price or something. Correct. For people correct. who may not know what that means. Okay. Correct. So the IMAP pricing, I, I gave the clients the IMAP pricing and I said, okay, everything is included in that, the coordination, purchasing, uh, the vendor back and forth, except the installation. Okay. Right? Just so I'm... 100% clear. Sure. We were talking about retail. So when you say trade versus retail, can you elaborate on what, because I, I has assumed it meant like stuff you're purchasing for the client that is your trade resources, but you would still mark up versus retail, which you're buying that they could have bought on their own technically like restoration hardware. Is that not what you're no, saying? Okay. No. So certain trade products, I would say wholesale products are available on certain websites yeah. at retail pricing. Yes. Right? So if the client were to ever find that product, if they decided to shop us, mm-hmm. they see the retail price for that product. Mm-hmm. If not, the vendor will tell you the suggested retail price for that product, even when it's wholesale. Yep. And that's what you would consider the retail product, the retail pricing. Right. Right? So your services are included for the coordination, the actual purchasing, um, except the installation. All that is included in in the cost of the product. Okay, so can I ask a stupid question, maybe? when You know how we were talking about categories in QuickBooks, right? Right. Phase one, phase two, phase three, and how you bill. So when when you were saying trade, retail, installation, where does the trade um, category, how, how does that play a role in QuickBooks for you? Well, the way that I do it, so yeah, so retail, I do hourly. Retail, I do hourly. I'm so sorry. Retail, I do hourly. Yes. What so that, mean? that means say you're buying something from West Elm. Okay. Got it. Right. You're going to make what? 50 bucks on it. That's exactly. not exactly. Yeah. And all the back and forth is a headache. Yes. Um, they, they come in broken most often, whatever it might be. Okay. The issues that happen with working with somebody from West Elm. Um, that I bill hourly. So when I categorize my QuickBooks, the trade ones, I know exactly how much time my employees have spent going back and forth with the vendors. And then I know not to charge the client for that. Because, because it's basically you're, they're paying with it through the profit that you've made. Correct. Got Okay. And then we, we, we um, keep track of the retail products that we buy separately so that we can charge those hourly. I see. And would that just show up as an admin fee on their hours because it's probably the admin purchasing it? No, just purchasing. 
You just have okay. a category you called purchasing. What's yeah. your hourly rate for purchasing? Um, depends on who's doing it. If I'm involved, it's mine. Dep- okay. If they're doing it, it's theirs. Got it. Right. Perfect. Okay. It's usually the, I mean, it's, you would want to give, delegate this to your assistant because yeah. there isn't any reason somebody should be doing it at $180 an hour. Hundred percent. Yeah, I fully get it. Okay, and then so how does installation work? Is that just basically like a line item on its own? Is what you're saying? Yes, installation is a line item on its own. Um, it's billed out at our regular hourly rates. So I would assume that includes any of the actual delivery of your dudes that are delivering and your time on site that day. No, receiving and delivery costs are included in the product on top of the product cost. Sorry, I mean like on an installation day, for example, the guys who are actually delivering it. and That's un- all addition. That's right. all additional. So that's installation, yeah, is just, installation is just my time and my assistant's time to be on site. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just going to get, I just, this is because this is on my brain. No, this might be a different way from everybody else. Still. No, no, it, everything makes sense. But, but you're saying, so how do you charge then? For like, if the the guys after they've received it, they you're saying just so I'm clear. So what I'm hearing is there's a warehouse that's receiving everything, and that's Correct. included in your product markup. No, no. Okay, so how do you bill out to the client that a separate invoice at the end? No. Okay. So what we do is that when we say we um, specify a product, uh, a couch that's five thousand dollars, right? Um, we would then give a fifteen percent estimate. For receiving and warehousing mm-hmm. and 10% for shipping mm-hmm. on that $5,000 couch. And okay. we would collect a hundred percent deposit up front for all of that. And at the end of the project, most often the client gets money back yeah. because 15% on receiving and warehousing and 10% shipping is not always used because sometimes it's free shipping. Sometimes the warehousing cost is lower um, and then all this is included, you know, the guys showing up, the guys coming to hang art, the, you know, the handyman, like you can literally do everything in that estimate. I, okay. And this goes back to the old, let's never ask them for more money later. If anything, exactly them back some money in Yay. the end. Okay. So yes. you're basically it's the 15% for the receiving 10% for the shipping, um, this is in your contract and that though between those two, it also includes the actually like the white glove delivery of like it's showing up at their house one day, the dude putting it everywhere, assembling, getting rid of all the garbage, everything. I quite enjoy that. Now I've done it kind of similar to this, but I just add a percentage to the entire total of purchasing like not on a line by line item typically yeah this is not line by line either this is like you're 15 percent on say say you're doing a whole living room okay this is 15 percent of that whole living room okay can i tell you like this is so amazing right now i'm glad this is i'm I'm glad this is granular we're getting yeah weirdly into the i'm very into process and this kind of thing like i really really like this and i hope and I hope people are going to be into it too. And I don't see why they wouldn't be. I think this is amazing. Um, okay. All right. So purchasing. Yes. The product. That's obviously like you, you probably work with QuickBooks for that too. You don't have like a s- separate system. Like I-, I do actually. I recently used Ivy. Cool. 
I yep. want to too. Yes. yes. It's got a good platform for um, imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it calculates sale tax, sales tax easily. It'll calculate, you know, several yeah. different functions in it, uh, within it rather. Um, it also keeps track of monies that you've received, mm-hmm. applying it to certain invoices, proposals. I like the whole thing. Purchase That's orders. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you connect Ivy with QuickBooks or you have not done that? Because it's been, I know it's, there's sometimes some people have struggles, but do you have it connected? We do, but I don't manage that process. I have a bookkeeper that manages that whole integration. And is the bookkeeper like a person who's very familiar with Ivy, like through? Yep. That's why we hired them is because all they did was that I didn't actually have a bookkeeper prior to um, purchasing because all I was doing was just billing my hours. So I didn't really need a bookkeeper for that. But as soon as I started doing purchasing, the first thing I did was get a bookkeeper who knew Ivy inside out, um, who understands the integration, understands our industry, how things work and what needs to be done. So she handles it all and she's amazing. I love that. And how often does she do what she does? <laughs> like a um, monthly? monthly, yeah. I get a monthly report. I get an aging report. I get, um, yeah. So she tr- keeps track of all my receipts. Uh, she has a system called HubDoc. I take a photo of the receipt. I upload it. Um, it tags it to all the... She takes care of your business expenses too? Like, yeah. Or just related to purchasing? No, everything. Gas, oh business, lunches everything staples <laughs> yeah. can I ask again answer only if you want um what do you like what is the cost for that typically on average a month for that um so I think it depends on how much business you're doing um mm-hmm. like your revenue it can range from like I started with her at like $500 a month mm-hmm. and now I think I'm paying her about $800 a month mm-hmm. that's amazing um I freaking love that. I think it's so key. I think the one thing that I have definitely realized is like when it comes to things like Ivy or even in the mastermind I was in earlier today, like um, one of the designers was saying she's got a bookkeeper and I asked her if they are specific to designers and she said no, but I said, you know, what would be cool is like if we all started using that bookkeeper, then they would just become so well-versed in our business that just yeah. it makes it so much easier, right? Because it's a very it's huge nuanced yeah yeah it's huge I mean I think if she didn't know our industry we would both be like blind leading the blind yeah (laughs) yeah. that's awesome okay so I'm 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 overstated I'm just loving this so what else what else did you want to talk about that maybe we didn't cover because I'm I know I did ask some very like I kept wanting more info specifically but what else did you want to talk about that maybe um I let me just see where I am with my, yep. So we talked about creating a scope, the Excel sheet, the metrics, the retainers, the purchasing. Oh, I didn't talk about the other way that I do purchasing now. Okay. So because this whole, you know, retail component, it you make money, but you don't make as much money, mm-hmm. I guess, right? So the way that I have been trying it out is where whatever my cost is, I just add 35% for all the coordination. So just so I'm clear, like if you got something from restoration hardware. Yes. And you, we know it's 20% there and everybody right. can get that. Um, right. Not the best example because I know a client could get that on their own if they wanted to. But, but basically, you, and how do you explain that to your clients? So I say to them, if you're not comfortable paying that for retail products, buy it yourself and deal with everything that comes with it. Well, shoot. <laughs> 
here I am going like, how do I, like, that's, no, I mean, hey, it's a pain in the ass. Why would you ever want to deal with that? And I think literally like legit deal with it yourself. Like I'm not getting involved in anything. No. Period. Yeah. That's it. You want to buy it? You deal with it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so simply like, it's so funny. That's totally the best answer ever. (laughs) Right. I mean, because I mean, most often it's like, oh, can you help me? This came broken. This, this is what happened. And Ah. you're like, well, you're not paying me enough to deal with it. Are you? Totally. And (laughs) and you know what else is annoying is ordering retail in general involves picking up a phone call versus my trade resources. I go send beep on my Ivy book thing. And I just wait for the, the, the like confirmation email and then we go from there. And then I say, yep, run my credit card on file right. versus get on the phone call. Hold on. I'll pass you to the other person. Right. On, push one. And then I yeah. go, okay, then I'm to, oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And also uh, like getting it shipped. Are you available on Tuesday at four o'clock? Are you available oh on Thursday at 1 p.m.? Like yeah. there's a window of three hours and you're sitting there. <laughs> okay. So also if you were ordering retail, then you would never, you, it would for sure go to your receiver. Yeah, everything yeah. goes to the receiver. For everything sure. goes to the receiver. And so that's another thing. It's like, well, you can order it, but you also can't send it to my receiver. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you can stay home for a three-hour window and wait yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, or hope that it doesn't get stolen off your front step. Right. Okay, cool. I like that. What, what else you got on the list that we maybe didn't cover? Yeah, so that is the 35%. And then most often, I mean, if you have a wholesale account, you know, the client's still getting a great deal because thirty. It's, you usually get like 40% off. Um, mm-hmm. So either way, it's a win-win situation. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was how to figure out your hourly yes. rate. Yes. Right? Um, so I think that I was really thinking about how to do this because, you know, there are designers that charge $50 an hour. There are designers that charge $500 an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a quick comparison. I mean, sometimes I can just ask other designers, Hey, what do you charge? And when you're in a group where people are open, people will say, yeah, this is what you charge. But you know, it's, it's really dependent on various factors. I would say one is experience. Mm -hmm. Like how much experience do you have doing this? I think, your confidence comes from knowing when you're actually delivering value for that hourly rate. Yeah. Right. So you have to feel comfortable sharing that rate and then standing by it and actually yeah. delivering for that rate. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. it's a word of mouth business. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You, if you lowball it, people are going to say you're cheap. Right. Yeah. And, and you pretty much just never want to be the cheapest person. No, don't be the cheapest because that's how they'll treat you. Yeah. Right. So if you walk into a store and, you know, you buy a $50 pair of shoes, how are you going to treat that pair of shoe compared to a $300 shoe? You're, that's such a good analogy. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's just mental value for, yeah. and this is a luxury business. I think yeah. where you want to position yourself is important. You don't want to scare away people, but you also don't want to be the cheapest person on the block. Yeah. But so I think experience is one. Um, Two is value. Like we just, you know, it's all integrated. And I think it's about sometimes, you know, what I've done in the past is my fee is related to how I feel that day. (laughs) That's the last one that I didn't share with you. It's (laughs) gut feeling. Yeah. Or or how you feel about the person. Right. So (laughs) say 
say there's a job and I have two other jobs and I'm pretty busy and I'm like, you know, yeah, it'll be good. Maybe, you know, I would normally charge $8,000 for this whole thing. But, you know, I feel like charging 12. Yeah. That feels like it's going to be worth it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about, um, it's about um, whether you, what's worth it for you at the end of the day. Value. That, yeah. I think that's a very valuable thing to say. And what I would elaborate on that is for people to, list, to re- listen to the podcast called um, uh, Value-Based Pricing or something like that, Jonathan, Jonathan Stark. It's basically all, the, the context is like a client will pay whatever they have identified the value as. So it doesn't matter. Like if they have said, yes, $12,000, that is the mental value I put yeah. on this. Right. But if you spent half of the amount of technical hours that if you divided it by your hourly rate, it doesn't matter because you agreed on a flat fee that they identified as the value as you identified it as the value. Yeah. Regardless of the hours that you spend. So you can't yeah. feel guilty I mean, this, about that. this business should not be based on an hourly rate in my opinion. That's I, why the more people can get agree. to a fixed fee, the better it's going to be for the industry because see what's happening right now, which I, I, I sort of feel um, skeptical about is that on a lot of these forums, I'm seeing a lot of discussion about furniture purchasing mm-hmm. and how people are trying really hard to make money on product. Mm-hmm. That's not where our value is. That is That's not, really, definitely not where our value is. No, no, no. I mean, making money off of the furniture markup. Yeah. Cover your time to get it done, make some money off of it, but that shouldn't really be the core of your business because the the industry is changing rapidly. And I feel that clients are going to be able to buy quality furniture from these wholesalers and retailers at almost the same price as us eventually. Totally. And here's what I want to say in response to that. My only thoughts with regards to products and extending our discount on said products is that because I think what we do is so valuable, because a lot of people are like, well, you know what? My, my, my design fees are $5,000 just for easy math. Not that we're going to do any math, but $5,000. But you know what? I help sell it to the client because then I say, but you're going to save $5,000 from the per- products that you're purchasing. And to me, I think, I don't think that a client should get to have my fee offset. Like if you were going to buy $10,000 worth of furniture anyway without me, I don't think you should pay $10,000 for furniture plus get designed for that same price. Like I don't, I think that we are more valuable than that. And I want to give a client a bit off of discount and make sure that it's at least what they would get on their own, right? That I agree with for sure. But that's the biggest thing for me is like, I don't want to share my discount where all of a sudden now you got furniture and my amazing design for what you would have got if you had just bought all the furniture you're on your own and had a shitty design. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's devaluing who you are in one sentence. Exactly. By saying that you're offsetting my cost with the stuff that you bought, you've already said to the client, I'm not worth it. Exactly. Right? So Exactly. Leave it out of it. And we don't need, we do not, we are a service that people pay for. Correct. We are not a service that people pay for because then they get to have it offset from the product they would have had to buy to furnish their home anyway. No, I mean, they can go to Restoration Hardware and one of those sales 
interns can walk them through the entire collection and buy 15 pieces for them right there. Exactly. What's the difference? That's exactly. free. Exactly. Exactly. And this is what people need to hear for sure. I love that. And I don't even know. Okay. So back to what you were saying though, I'm so sorry. That was a tangent. No, no, no. And I feel like that's um, okay. I have another question though, but I want to, was there more that you wanted to say on that? Well, no, I think, I think one was of course, you know, the purchasing aspect. And I think that if people, if clients want to buy their own furniture, let them do it. I think the more and more contracts that you see coming out where we are forcing clients to buy purchase through us, Mm-hmm. There's, there's a question of transparency there. Since mm-hmm. a lot of what we do is based on trust, always think of it from the client's perspective, right? And yeah. think about how are they perceiving this whole thing right now? Like, why are we trying so hard to make money off the furniture that we're losing the trust? Just bump up your hourly fee mm-hmm. for that matter. But just so we're clear, you do buy wholesale and I do, but I don't, I don't go out of my way to find a wholesale product. If I really like the retail version of it, like if I find it, that's great. But if I don't, I'll go retail because I'm like, that's perfect for the project. That has nothing. Can I, yeah, I have, when I first got introduced to trade, it became a little difficult that I was like, Oh man, like I need to stay true to my aesthetic. Right. Because and not get swayed by yeah. dollar bills. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, the wholesale market is great, but it's a little traditional at the moment. Thank and you. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the more contemporary designers are doing because, I mean, there's not a lot of choice out there. I love that you're American and you're saying this because I, it, it, what you're struggling with is even harder in Canada because we have lots of trade options in Canada, right. but it's very traditional. So if you're a more traditional designer, you're laughing. You're lucky. But, yeah, you're lucky. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're, if that, so I'm, I'm very shocked that, that you're saying that actually, because in America it's even easier, but okay. I have a specific question. Yes. Are you okay to keep going a little bit longer? Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. Good. This is because I missed something. That's okay. It happens. <laughs> um, we, we didn't get into this and now I'm just, it came to me. Yes. Um, expenses, client expenses. So let's say you had to get something delivered, like not, not a product. Like, let's say you were like, I have to get some art framed and I need it to be, I get, there's no reason for me to drive this to my framer. I already know she knows, like, this is just an example. It doesn't make sense for me to bill a client 90 or $180 an hour for me to drive it there. I can have a delivery service, pick it up. And then I expense that to the client. Do you do that? And how do you bill for that? Do you just an expense report that they pay? Yeah. Every invoice has uh, reimbursable expenses. Okay. Uh, Includes printing. Uh FedEx uh, deliveries, um, couriers, sample costs. And is it itemized or is it just like, okay, it was $200 this month and and you just have a line item that says $200. It includes X, Y, Z. No, it it is itemized. Uh, Printing is X. Uh, FedEx is Y, um, couriers is Z, you know, so I I do, I do expense everything because why should it come out of my pocket? hundred percent. And is it its own invoice or do you attach it to the same invoice as your hours? Same invoice as the hours, just at the bottom. Okay. I love this. And I was actually, (sighs) and it's in the contract too. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and if they said, I want to see the, the receipts to that, you would just be like, yeah, cool. Here's some pictures of the yeah. receipts. Yeah. Um, okay. So my next question was, okay, you remember how you were talking about in your um, hour estimation? 
Yes. Spreadsheet. You said include things like photography. Um, uh, and I feel like you said driving and whatever. So driving, no big deal. I know that we're rolling that into hours. How does photography being included in that estimation quantify into hours though, and being able to roll that in? How do, how do you, do you know what I'm asking? Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think if you're going to do a fixed fee, okay, that's more of an opportunity to do that. Okay. Because you are covering, that's part of your profit, right? Perfect. That totally answers my question. Um, And then, and realistically too, I think that our hourly rates. Yes. I don't know. You tell me if this is, (laughs) I feel like you're really good at this. Like in my mind, I feel like my hourly rate should be enough too, for me to be able to cover some of the overhead and overhead includes photography. And and I'm not saying it has to come out of that directly, but part of me running a business is making enough money to make sure that makes sense kind of thing. Yeah, I mean your your photography most often doesn't come out of your hourly, but will come out of your purchasing over a profit, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say that again, metrics. Yeah. Um, keeping track of your overhead, like if you have an office, if you have printing expenses, if you have equipment expenses, keeping track of what that costs you um, a year, mm-hmm. and then deciding, you know, there's something called a multiplier. Um, so what, what we say is that your rate should be broken up into 30, 30, 30%, 33, 33, 33%. Mm-hmm. So 33% is your salary. Mm-hmm. 33% is your overhead and 33% is profit. So I, it's, I love that. Yeah. That's so so if you, <laughs> well, yeah. So if you, for example, like, I come up with it, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I That's think you great. just have to decide. Like, just, I, okay. Did you just go out and educate yourself on your own? Like, have you had a coach telling like, how do you know all this? Um, I just had the, uh, the good luck of working with, um, a firm where I was involved in everything, the design, the project management, the back end, proposal writing, Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of reading, lots of uh, looking up, you know, what's the best way to run a business, like all of these things. So I think it's just time. It's just sort of figuring out, okay, what works best for you. But, I, I, I got to be honest, and I hope this doesn't sound offensive at all. To me? Sometimes, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, sometimes people approach me to be on my podcast. Like when I'm not the one who has asked somebody to be on my podcast, I go yeah. into it a little more skeptical and have very low expectations. Right, right, of course. <laughs> and I looked at your website today. Okay, look, I'm just put it all out there right now. Like I didn't do the diligence earlier. I was just like, you contact me. I said, great. And then I said, what I like to do, heads up people, if you're going to ask me to be a guest on my podcast, tell me what you want to talk about and sell yourself to me. Cause I, at, the, at this point I want to give people great value, but I was like, cool. Like, let me know what you'd love to talk about. Like if you want to be a guest and you must, and then you came back randomly, right. When you finally thought I want to talk about this, my expectations <laughs> so low, this is far surpassed my expectations. Like you, like this is has been incredible. If I'm being honest, like it's been so good. Oh, I'm just thrown away right now. Like you're so smart. You're so good at this. Um, I had one more question. Again, this is like going very granular. No, go so, for it. You know, things like, um, okay, let me see here. Drapery, for example. Hold on. You know what? Before we do that, I'm, I have to go look at my spreadsheet. Okay. Sorry. I might have to edit this out. I have to reference something. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it's maybe because, oh, okay. Things like, for example, oh, it's admin. I, I'm, I feel like I'm working through it myself right now. So when you have a kickoff, for example, do you ever have your admin with you to help you do measurements or like, you Always. know, okay. So does that get classified into admin? No. So my assistant wears many hats. Okay. Okay. They're usually designers out of school uh-huh. and they draft. They go to site visits with me. They go to client meetings with me. They work on AutoCAD. They work on SketchUp, Photoshop. They do installations. Okay. They, they run to the design center. They do everything that I would do. Okay. So, so how are they built for that? Same. It's just based on experience levels, right? So sorry. So you got 180 is your rate. Yeah. And if your your assistant does admin stuff, it's admin rate. But if they're doing, if your assistant, are they charged? Charging. So let's say you go to your, your trade day kickoff, whatever you call it in your business. Mm-hmm. And it's you and your assistant there. Yes. How are you billing for that time? Both. And you're at 180. What is she at? 90. 90. Okay. So admin happens to also be 90, but your, if your designer was doing design work and she was at an, a, a higher level, say like a senior designer, that might have been billed at say 125 or whatever you did right. that rate. Whatever, whatever I'm paying them. So here's how it works, right? Okay. Same way. Their salary, okay, is based on a third, a third, a third. Mm-hmm. So if I say I'm paying her $30 an hour, mm-hmm. I'd better route at $90 an hour. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. Right? Yep. Same thing. Okay. I love it. Um, when you're, I'm sorry, this is going back to basics now because now just new things, you know, I'm like processing. When you present that early hours estimate, mm-hmm. does it translate into like, how do you quantify hours that have, that will end up being billed to your client that are the, her, is that also estimated in yes. your early? Okay. And you basically. My Excel sheet has my hours and per phase and it has her hours per phase and her rate. So my involvement might be very low in the production, like mm-hmm. the AutoCAD portion mm-hmm. and her, her hours might be higher in that. So it sort of balances out. Okay. So, but when you tell the client, yeah. you, you just say 40 hours. You don't say 40 of my hours, 10 of her hours. No, I mean, what I say to them is average out the two rates. And when I say 40 hours, it's basically the average of both the rates. Okay. And okay, just so again, I'm clear. If you were going to say 40 hours to a client, would would they be able, would they then just say, okay, 40 times 180? So that's why you want to give them an estimate and you want to give them a, a fee range. So if you want, if you're going to tell the client it's going to be a hundred hours, yep. let's just do for argument's sake that yes. my hourly rate is 200 okay. and my assistant is a hundred dollars an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. So our average is $150 an hour. Okay. So if I say to them 40 hours for this entire project, that's 40 into 150, right? Okay. Whatever that yes. is 6,500 or whatever. So now it's going to be 6,500 to, I would say $8,000 for that project. That's what I would put it in at. Love that. Okay. And 
I think what's important there is you're able to do that because you know that for your projects, it nets out on an average basis, but that may not be true for somebody else, which is why it's all, it's important for all of us to know our hours and numbers. And yeah, see, they're hiring you for, as the experts, not only for the design, but Mm -hmm. to be able to take the project from start to finish in their budget or whatever the budget that you assign to the project, sometimes not inside their budget, but whatever is in you know you decide okay this is a ten thousand dollar budget so that's what it's going to be so you have to speak like an expert i would say at these meetings and understand how your business runs Mm -hmm. how you charge Mm -hmm. because the same way they're confused about what we do behind the scenes like why do we charge what we charge why does it cost x amount for installation why do we charge a 35% markup? What does that include? What does it not include? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so no matter what, at the end of the project, your goal is that if I estimated, like we just talked about $100, and you're saying that the average is $150 an hour between the two of you working on it, right. and whatever that number is, right. no matter what, however you end up billing, at the end of the project, it should be below that or in the range that you get. No, it should be in the range. I think yeah. always give a range when you're doing hourly so that you're not held to it. Totally. Um, you know, if there's a change in scope, if there's a change, there's so much change of scope usually in an hourly. Well, first of all, I feel like change of scope is like, that's yeah. just... It's huge. Well, and it's like, I can't have foreseen that or estimated that properly regardless. Like, right. That's why you're no. doing it hourly because yeah. I think make that absolutely clear to the client and say, you know, I'm ranging this because we've never worked together before. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about one, two and three rooms. You may change your mind about adding another one or reducing something or whatever it might be. You may be a quick decision maker. You might be, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lengthy decision maker, whatever you want to, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. But also like if you do change the scope though, we could be over the highest estimated number because of course, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. More work equals more fee. More hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, you have take, given me so much of your time. So please tell everybody where they can go follow you on Instagram or wherever you like to hang out and your, your website. Cause yeah, definitely. Amazing. I'm so happy. One thing I forgot to actually just quickly mention, cause I yeah. know you were interested in the whole QuickBooks integration yeah. is that if you are tracking reimbursables, mm-hmm. it lets you drag and drop that on the invoice. So if say you have a FedEx expense, yep. that'll show up in QuickBooks and you get to drag it and drop it on to oh. your client. Oh, well, basically what you're saying is like, I have somehow put the receipt total into QuickBooks. No, and say you-, you paid it with your credit card, right? Oh, right? You yes. paid $50 on your credit card for a FedEx package. QuickBooks recognizes that. You tag it to the client. Yes. And then when you're doing your monthly invoicing, you just drag it and drop it on. I'll tell you who's too messy in their business account to connect it like that right yet. I am messy. I am just all over the place right now on that front. I'm like, personal expense? Sure, I'll use my business bank card. It's no big. I know I got to get tighter with that, but um, no, that's great. That's awesome. I love that. I just wanted to plug it in there. But uh, yeah, so definitely check out my website. Um, it is id8designstudio.com. Eight, like the numeral. Anyways, I'm going to link it in the show notes. It'll be fine. 
yeah so yeah and my instagram account always want new followers <laughs> so uh, yeah, we do yeah am i even following you there i have no idea but um what was i gonna say to you also i really liked your business the business name that's it's really cool like I, thank you yeah it's can i just tell you how cool it is on so many levels which you already know but i'm gonna so it's id8 which we all get it but it's then i it, her logo is an I and a D interior design mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the numeral eight. That's right. Now, the only thing that would make this even better mm-hmm. is if somehow the eight meant something. Does it mean something? If you are on that level right now, I, you're my hero. Well, eight is an infinity number. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So it has a lot of meaning on many fronts in terms of the infinite possibilities on uh, this conceptually and spiritually number eight has a lot of meaning in many different cultures um so it's just a good number it's a feel-good number <laughs> you just blew my mind did you come up all the with that on your own or did you hire a company to do branding for you i chose the name but i did have a branding consultant who formulated the logo the way you see it now but did you think of like the i and the d and the eight on its yeah. own like that mm-hmm. it's dude Thank you. So I wanted to quickly mention that I'm actually thinking about getting into business coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, to Plug, it. Plug it away. And I'm yeah. going to talk to you some more. Yeah. I mean, I would love to get in and help, you know, younger designers figure this out. I mean, there's a lot of information that you can learn the hard way. Yeah. Or, Why would or, we do that to ourselves? Or get, or get like a leg up and just figure it out with Somebody's already been struggling with it for years. <laughs> so, yeah. For sure. And yeah. so, if somebody is interested in contacting you to learn more about that, how should they reach out? Just email me. My information is on the website. Mm-hmm. Email me. We can set up a call, whatever's easiest, and go from there. Okay. Well, I like what you're saying, and I might take you up on that. And yeah, also, I that. just say that if you have other topics that you'd love to share on the podcast, I would totally do this again with you. Sure. Because That'd I feel be like you're amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'd love oh to. My God. I love being here. And uh, yeah, hit me up with any questions. Amazing. Thank you, lady. Bye. Thank Have a good you. weekend. Bye. Bye. So you can probably see how frustrating my brain can be at times, but the questions I was asking her, like, that's. You have just gotten some intense insight into the overdrive that my brain has. Every time I listen to a podcast, like I find most of these questions are not elaborated on. Like sometimes concepts are discussed, but then these little intricacies and nuances are not clarified. And that is where this girl starts to get really confused and why I started a podcast in the first place so that I could hear these types of answers and ask the questions that I need to really kind of make it make sense for my brain. Sasha, oh my God, she's amazing. I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize for, I was so excited throughout this podcast that I just sometimes got a little like vocal about it. And I apologize for any like interrupty stuff. I got to work on that guys. I just get real excited sometimes. And I just need to, you know, say things that I feel. Okay. I think that's an ADHD thing. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm hoping she's going to come back again. I just edited this and I actually messaged her and asked her if she could help me set up my QuickBooks to be a little bit of how she talked about. Because at this point, 
I estimate hours in a time block and then I apply my hours. So if, if let's say, you know, my, my rate right now is $150 an hour and let's say I do 30 hours, it's $4,500. I collect it most of the time, 100% all up front. And then every week I do like an update into a spreadsheet of my own to, to track how much hours I have left. But what I think I'd like to do going forward, but where it gets a little clunky is how, if I have to apply this $4,500 to an expense or to a you know travel fee, because I drive to Picton two hours and that's I think $75 an hour to drive there. So it gets a little messy. So what I'd love to do now is basically turn what I collect as a retainer or whatever. I don't know exactly yet, but what I do know is that I'm then going to basically update by phase, like she said, into my QuickBooks and all of the other stuff that I do so that I can actually do, you know, a profit and loss report um, and get a really, get much better clarity on my business. And this is also going to be a really great way for me to send an invoice to my clients. So I'm going to be changing my process basically unexpectedly as an output of this conversation with her. And I'm very excited and hopefully we will, we will be able to report back on how that's changed. I mean, like she said, she's changed her pricing model and you know how she bills so many times. I'm sure I will too, but this sounds freaking glorious. So anyway, guys, go check her out. Give her some love because that was mind-blowing. It was very good. Um, I'm going to do better and try to be less interrupty. Like sometimes I can't control my excitement and I'm sorry for that. Anyways, guys, if you liked this podcast, please do me a favor. Give me a review. I just listened to another podcast today where she said very easily so that I could understand why because it helps the algorithm and helps other people find me. And the more people that listen to me, the better people I can get on the podcast, the more likely I can get a sponsorship, which means that I can keep this guy going longer than I think I might be able to realistically. So help a sister out. Um, if you want to follow along behind the scenes of my journey, go to Real Talk Design uh, with Michelle Bennett. It's a Facebook group, Facebook, old school stuff. That's the only thing I do on Facebook is Facebook group stuff. And then lastly, if you want uh, inbox inspiration, go to michellebennett.com slash real talk. And I, like I said, it's real talk, real short. Just some nugs along the way to keep you going. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you this week. I'll talk to you later. Bye.